Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey guys. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. So today we have an awesome episode. It's sort of about like self-starters or how to make your own thing in this world, especially in this new new COVID life. Yep. Our first guest is Dante Palmer. You might know him from the meme or the, was it a meme? No, no I think it was just like a very viral photo. Very viral photo of him changing his son's diaper on the floor. Yep. And it started a whole movement about uh, getting changing stations in men's bathrooms or just even just more changing stations. And then we're chatting with Michelle Perchuk of MTV Coaching. She's a career coach and she's really specializing in helping women start the businesses they really want. Finding the career path, you know, all that fun stuff. Making the changes that you need, thinking about what your career is now in this COVID world. She's been a super big help to Ashley and I, and we'll actually be doing a follow-up episode with her as well, where we kick into high gear and put into action some of the things that she recommended for us. Yep. But as always, we have... Our hashtag swag bag, and up next... The the tits and and the shits. That's pretty good. (laughs) That was okay. That was all right. That wasn't bad. Okay, so I'm going to start today. I'm going to start with my shits today. So Sebastian is going through a weird potty training regression. And uh, basically, he is peeing in his pants every day, like in his undies, and just like having no issue with it whatsoever. You know, that's not such a huge deal. I think the huge deal is that it's causing a fight between Matt and I. I think this is the thing that like nobody really tells you before you have a kid. They make it seem like relationships start to fail after a baby because you stop having sex or somebody feels neglected. And really my biggest issue in all of this is I just feel like Matt and I aren't on the same page a lot of times and he undermines me or he doesn't It's not like my word is gospel, but like, let's get on the same page and let's stick to it. And if you're going to disagree, don't do it in front of Sebastian. Like, let's have a talk later. And it doesn't happen that often. But when it does happen, it's so upsetting to me. I'm just really upset by it. Yeah, I mean, truly, like, I think they say you have to be make sure you're on the same page with your values. And I think most of us were with our partner. But who goes into the details of like, what are we going to do if the kid pees his pants right. after he's potty trained? Like, those are not details that you're getting. Usually it's like, how do you feel about, I don't know. What religion what, are we going to raise our child? Yeah, or like, what kind of parenting style? Maybe, like, right. you know. But right. you're not like, what are we going to do when I want to have a Christmas tree up and you don't? Or whatever. You know, it's like weird little things. Well, long story short, Matt then said, well, I read about it and, you know, potty training regression is really normal. And I was so pissed off that I said, really? Maybe you should have a mom podcast. (laughs) And he was like, he goes, that's a really nasty comment. And I was like, yeah, it is. (laughs) 
I've done that to Lee too. I'm like, oh, right. Well, you want me to take care of the child most of the time. But then when I, we disagree on something, all of a sudden you quickly Google and think that you're an expert when meanwhile, I've been doing like months and months of reading before we even started the thing. Plus I have a mom podcast where I've done the same thing. Like where we actually talk to people who specialize in this. Great. About our children specifically, but you just like Google as your best friend for one second. Right. 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 I've been there, been there. (sighs) And I, it really was, I didn't even apologize. I was like, yeah, what? was a shitty comment. I still haven't apologized. (laughs) It sounds like, oh, I know so much better. And it's not what it is. It's what you said. It's like, I have been reading about potty training for a long time. Like, yes, I understand him having a regression is normal, but it's also not normal at the same token. So like, yeah, it's not uncommon, but it's not like every kid has a regression and it doesn't also you kind of want to get to the root what it yes what it is about because like what if it's emotional or whatever right well and that's a whole other thing because then I you know was asking before that happened I was asking Sebastian what it was about and he was saying something about like well I want you love me and I said well I always love you is this because you want attention and he said yeah I mean he's three I don't know if he actually realizes what that means but for me it's like on first it made me feel like a terrible mother and then my second response was like how much more do you want from me how much more do you want like and I didn't say this because he's three what does that even mean and this is obviously more of a a thing within me but like I already handle all the housework while trying to handle, you know, this startup business you and I have together. I make sure everyone eats, do all the groceries. I do the laundry. I clean the house all while taking care of a child and trying to start homeschooling, which we have kind of started a little bit. Like how much more? I'm sorry I needed five fucking minutes to send some emails. Get off my ass, Well, the, okay? the other thing is, and we're going to have a child psychologist on the show soon to talk about like anxiety in children, but I think some of it too is just that COVID is affecting all of us and he's not going back to his preschool or wherever he was going to do. There's but like big changes. it's been five changes. months. It's like, this isn't new for him. Like, I know, but kids process things differently, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But that's, that. those are my shits. It's just well, like, my sister's kid who's the same age is doing the same thing. He keeps shitting in the corner. Yeah, You just find turds everywhere. Yeah, he did that a couple of times also. And I'm just like, what is happening here? So, and actually that's kind of funny. At least like a turd on the floor is like a funny thing. When he just pisses on the sofa, it's annoying. I know that's so weird. It's not, it's not so terrible. I mean, it's not so funny when you find out the turd's there because the kid walks into the room and he's got like a skid mark down his leg and all over his hands I and know. he's touched like 17 things on the way out but like I'm literally sitting next to a piss puddle on my sofa right now while we record and it stinks it stinks like port authority I like have to pull out a carpet cleaner to clean the fucking sofa so it doesn't smell it's infuriating at least a turd is just like "Eh, it's a turd and you wipe it up with a Clorox wipe you know I'll remember that next time you shit on me (laughs) next time it never happened (laughs) oh my god don't let people think I poop on you what kind of shit is that (laughs) Jeez. <laughs> I think maybe our next merch should be um, fake turds from Spencer Gifts, but packaged with the mom trash thing and you just leave it places. No one's buying that. No one's going to spend money on that. I love it, but what a waste of our money. And my tits are, I think Carrie and I are realizing that people are actually listening to our show and not just like our cousins. We could be wrong because we don't know how to read the graph. No, no we're right. We know we're right. Come on. And not all of them are from the United States. So what's up, Ireland? Yeah. I do have some relatives in Ireland, but I doubt those are the ones that are listening. I mean, I'm sure if I actually 
knew my dad's side of the family or my dad's dad's side of the family, I would have some people in Ireland too. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe someone did like a 23andMe and they don't want to connect to you. They're just listening to the podcast. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, this Port Authority smell that's right next to me is awful. <laughs> I'm, I'm so distracted. Anyway, what are your Guys, tips and tricks? All I, I got to say is thank you for listening to us because most people in our real lives don't want to listen to us no, talk. So we appreciate that you. All. They do not at all. My mother constantly tells me I talk too much. Just like that meme I sent you is like, shout out to all the kids that got in trouble for talking too much. Yeah, it was always me. Literally always, always me, always me. But yeah, so that's my tits. It's like, wow, this is paying off and people are listening to the show and they're enjoying it and we are hearing from you guys and just thank you so much. We love doing this. We have a lot of really fun things that we're working on that are coming up and we're really excited to share them with you. So, And we're going to have some merch rolling out. Yeah, just all kinds of fun stuff happening. So keep telling your friends about us, keep sharing and keep on keeping on. Okay, my shits are... Our entire household is under a lot of stress right now. Yeah, that like sucks. Me and Lee separately, me and Lee together. Lee's parents are having some issues. You know, our parents are getting older. There's there's some issues that come with that. I won't get into it too much because it's personal. And we're thinking we may have to take a, a quick visit there. They live in Cleveland, so it's a little bit tricky. You know, we're trying to get a house. You know, unsure financial future with COVID and what are our jobs turning into and all the good stuff that you and I have going on is the tits, but just trying to have the mind space to do it well can be stressful. Yeah. Even when it's good, even good things can be stressful. It's like- totally. It's all paying off, but just navigating when we can do it and making sure that everybody is getting a good amount of attention. You, our business, myself. Basically, I'm not paying any attention to myself, which is goes into my shits. You know, my daughter's getting attention. Lee's getting attention. Our household's getting attention. Our business is getting attention. It's just, it's starting to weigh on everybody. Yeah. But we're talking about it and we're trying to find healthy ways because it's not going to go away anytime soon. So we're trying to find healthy ways to deal with that and keep in open communication. But it's very stressful on everybody and it's starting to wear on us a little bit. I get it. Well, you know, it's no, I mean, Crimea River, everybody's going through this, but it, we're really starting to feel it. I think the long term of how long everything has been going on, like that is part of what's beginning to wear yeah, a little bit. I understand. And then the shits are, I'm sort of like at the YOLO portion of my life. being stressed out? (laughs) Yes. I'm just like, gained weight, YOLO. Yeah. Had a a drink at noon, YOLO. Not really sure what my job is going to be, YOLO. Not sure when we're moving, YOLO. (laughs) Just like, I'm just like YOLOing it out. Like in all, I just sometimes just look at Lee and go, "Mm mm-hmm. Like, I mean, better than stressing out, right? Yeah, I've just been like, oh, well, like things that would normally drive me crazy. I'm just like, add it to the list. Yeah. Oh, if you can hear noise, it's my overall jangly jangles. (laughs) If you hear that noise. So, yeah, so that's that's the tits is that I just am at the point of like being so overwhelmed that I'm just like, fuck it. Yeah. Let let everything burn down. I'll just watch it here with my uh, cup of rosé, you know? (laughs) I know. 
Anyway, we have we have an exciting thing. Yeah, we have a super exciting thing. So um, maybe not as exciting for our listener, but (laughs) it's very exciting for us. We had an actual listener write in to us, not related to us or a friend, no one that we knew we know in real life, and asked our opinion on something. So we wanted to share the question with you and give some advice. And we encourage you to do the same because nothing makes us feel more important than thinking that you want our opinion. So. Hi, Ashley and Carrie. I'm an avid listener of you both since scary mommy times. I'm going through an interesting situation that I would love to hear your insights on. I'm a mom of two with a solid marriage, amazing hubby, and dad. I also became a type 1 diabetic after my first pregnancy, which is super rare, but apparently happens. I'm on an insulin pump and all that crap. My second pregnancy was particularly challenging and high risk because of this, but I have a cute, healthy two-year-old, so it was all worth it. I absolutely cannot have more kids as being pregnant is a huge challenge with all the diabetes crap and working full time as a physician. Also, I gained tons of weight just now after two years I'm getting back on track. So I had a birth control implant that is supposedly near 100% effective and guess what? got pregnant. I found out because my blood sugars were out of control, I ended up having an uncomplicated miscarriage. My husband was scared enough to say he would look into a vasectomy. I'm also burned out with all this medical stuff and don't want to do more hormones or tubal ligation surgery. He made an appointment, saw the urologist, and now he is backtracking. Yesterday, he told me this is something too definitive, permanent, and irreversible, so he's very scared about it. I said I absolutely cannot have more kids, so the only possibility for him to have a kid is with another human being, which would mean our marriage would end or I would die. We do have a solid marriage. We've been through couples therapy and stuff. I do not believe he wants to have another relationship, but I'm struggling to accept his reason. I'm also conflicted because I can see it is his body and I don't have the right to force him to do something he doesn't want to do, but my health is at risk. Anyways, I felt this might be a good topic for the podcast and would love to hear different perspectives so I can feel in peace with it. You guys do a great job. Keep it up, Steph. Well, Steph... First of all, thank you for trusting us with this question. Yeah. Two, Ashley and I have theater degrees. We are not uh, therapists. Technically, mine's a communications degree, but yes. Oh, so you're a little bit more qualified because you know how to communicate. (laughs) No, I don't. No, I don't. But yes. So yeah, firstly, thank you. Secondly, man, I am sorry you are going through that because I, I mean, I'm a little infuriated reading it personally my first response is fuck him I think that there's this thing that happens with guys where it feels like it's like you've ever seen those things and I'm not comparing your husband to a dog I'm so sorry but just see those things where men don't want to get their dogs neutered because they think it like takes away their manhood yeah I always thought that was like a machismo kind of guy thing right but I think that I think that something really weirdly primal happens when a dude thinks about losing his virility. Like, whether it's getting a vasectomy or starting getting older and having less blood flow and having trouble getting it up, I think they really take it in, like, a real... The same way that maybe women take menopause, where they get very depressed about it and they feel like it's the end of their, like, virility. And so what I'm guessing, and I'm not... a specialist obviously is that after the doctor like he went to go to see the doctor and he really realized what it meant he probably had like a thing where he felt like it was going to take away his manhood and that's 
okay, but like you got to deal with that because your manhood's going to be taken away anyway, especially if you have three kids. Like but, you're going to be tired. And here's the thing, and you brought up menopause, but like, you know, a vasectomy is like, okay, it doesn't have to happen. Menopause is going to happen to all of us. So I really just, I don't have a lot of sympathy for your husband. I understand what you're saying. I feel for you is, is my point. Yeah, you know, I do I, too. I read this with Matt. And Matt was like, just get the vasectomy, dude. Also, I'm pretty sure vasectomies have been reversed in certain cases. Yes, number one. The episode Two, of the, the Office where he's talking about how he had the vasectomy and he reversed it and then he went back snip, snap, snip, snap, you know? Also, why doesn't he just get his, why doesn't he just come in a cup and get his sperm frozen? If he's so concerned that something might happen and he might want more progeny or whatever, Look, go get the sperm frozen. I have outwardly said to my husband that if I die early, I hope he does not find anybody else. I know. I don't. We have different feelings about that. And I am going to haunt his ass. Do I really mean that? No, of course I want him to be happy. And obviously this is a very different situation, but I, I think I would be really hurt. And I think my solution, and this is why I may not be a great person to ask their opinion on would be, well, then we don't need to continue on with this. If your virility is worth more to you than my life is, then we don't need to continue on. Right. And I'm just saying after 25 years plus of therapy, this is, I, I agree in my heart, but I think the way that you approach it. Oh, I'm sure just, it's totally wrong the way I'm approaching it. You just say something like, you know, this is really my health. And I understand that there might be a lot of reasons why you might not want to get a vasectomy and it really truly is your body but it makes me feel like our relationship isn't sound and also you know it's my health I've tried it on my end with the birth control and it it doesn't work and surgery for someone who is diabetic any additional surgeries are dangerous which is true the healing doesn't is does not go as well a lot when you're a diabetic and so I really need for you to take some action and you know, can we talk about or can you go to a therapist and can we talk about why you really don't want to do it? If it comes down to you're afraid that our marriage might end someday, then why don't you get your sperm frozen and call it a day? Or, you know, I just think that I think that he's probably not expressing what it really is. Yes. I'm sure it's not that he wants to like be with another woman or anything like that, but I think that it really has to come down with like my life is on the line here. I do not want to get any additional surgeries. This can even be reversed in some cases. Like this is a really serious thing and it's very, it hurts me like to the core right. that it, this, this is, happens. This is a matter of life and death. It's not a matter of your ego at this point. And I think, Carrie, the way you said to approach it is like a much healthier and much more um, adult way than my knee-jerk response, which is, fuck you. Well, and in in couples therapy, something that I've learned is you have to figure out what like the person's base need is. Like my base need is to be respected and given space. And Lee's base need is to be loved and appreciated. So our base needs kind of go against each other a lot of the times, which is why we argue a lot. And so if, you, if you've been with your partner for a while, you might know from what he operates. Like, Ashley, you are someone that is a love and attention yes. operator. Yes. And so if, if we were in a fight, if I first acknowledged your base need, Ashley, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I love you. I respect you. Then all the other information that would come after it, or you're the most important person to me. I want to hear you. All the other information that I would be telling you after that would go better yes. because I've already addressed yes. your fear, your need, whatever it is. Yes. So if she knows what his primal need is, maybe in doing it and telling that she can at first address that you will always be sexy to me or whatever, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I'm just making shit up at this point. You know then what's hot? Give the hard information. If, if your dick could spit out 
empty jizz. <laughs> I love that. It's my favorite porn that I watch. That's the hottest myself. thing in the world, baby. And then I've also found that some of these really difficult things, which I know this sounds silly to be afraid to talk to someone you love about something, but times in couples therapy where I've had something really hard to talk to Leah about, like finances or whatever, which I'm uncomfortable speaking to loved ones about, I did do it in front of the therapist, even though I could have done it with him. It's not like I think he's going to hit me or anything. It was easier to have a third person mediator there. So agreed. That helped me. Yeah, I agree with Carrie. I think you just have to really, I've noticed with my husband that it really is, we just really have to boil things down sometimes. You know, I'm a lot more in tune with what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling. And I think that's pretty much the case for women in general. Of course, that's a generalization, but I think women are more likely to really try and figure out the root cause of things. And men sometimes need a little more prodding and a little more time. And Or they like mix two things up together. Like one feeling becomes two situations yes. and then they like, they like act out on the one situation so the one that actually is yep. the problem. Yeah. Yep. And they just need, sometimes also Matt just really needs some It's weird because I think I'm a really vulnerable person, but sometimes he needs me like emotionally naked on the floor, like begging for him to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, whenever I cry, I'm not a big crier, guys, but whenever I cry, Lee like really takes it in. Okay, well, it's I, like he doesn't see it, and then he's like, oh, shit. This is, I cry I, daily, so that doesn't work for so me. So sometimes I just have to, like, get a tear out, a couple tears out, and then he, like, finally listens. <laughs> She's whispering because he's at home. Everybody's so anyway, at home. We're in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's home. But we hope that helps you, Steph. We're really sorry you're going through it. I do think... And Steph, if you could write us back, we'll send you a sticker. <gasps> we will send you a sticker. We'll write you back. We'll get your address so that we can send you a sticker. Yeah. So that when you take our bad advice and you it goes poorly, you can just look at the sticker and throw darts at it. You can sign the divorce papers by just putting the Montrage sticker on your signature <laughs> you spot. My point JK, is, JK. You, know, you know deep in your heart whether he's not going to do it because of him or if it's because he wants a divorce or something like that. You know the answer really deep in you. You can feel it. So... If you think that that's not the case, you know it's something else. It's just a matter of getting to it. It's just about getting to the bottom of it and then addressing his fears or his needs or whatever it is so that you guys can reach. You know, it's not like he wants Chinese, you want Mexican, so you get Italian. You know what I mean? It's like this is like there's got to be a compromise. Right. So if you guys want us to answer your questions, which we really would love to. And you can see we're so good at it. We're so good at it. All right, guys. So you can hear we're great at giving advice, JK, JK. But we'd love to give you some and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for us, reach out at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Let us know you want some advice from us and we will uh, talk about it on the show. If you want to stay anonymous, let us know. Also, if you're super lazy, you can just DM on our Instagram. Yeah, but like email us it's so much better anyway staff thank you so much for writing in we'll be sending you a sticker we love you you're part of the mom trash kiss those babies you know today's guest from that viral photo of a dad squatting in a public bathroom with his son over his knee just so he could change his diaper he's a father of three and the man behind the squat for change movement welcome dante palmer hi dante hi appreciate you guys for having me on this um, platform so excited i just want to give you my story so we can figure out what's next up for squat for change awesome so it's really interesting because we were on another podcast and we covered your story on the other podcast for the people that did not hear us cover it the first 
first time. Tell us about that day, the incident that spawned the whole Squat for Change movement. Right. Just give us a little bit of the, that backstory. Yeah, the Squat for Change started about two years ago. Um, it was a regular day. My wife and I, we went out to do some much-needed errands. Uh, we had the boys with us, and we hit the town of Jacksonville. You know, we did some laundry. We played football with my oldest son that morning. Um, and then my oldest son, Isaiah, his phone was actually broke. So we were like, you know what, let's spend some time and go get his phone fixed. And we went to our the local store, Sprint store, to get his phone fixed. And if you've ever had a broken phone, I mean, you're there for about six to eight hours. You never know how long you're really going to be in a retail store. So when we were leaving, it was really dark out. My wife and I decided instead of going home to cook dinner, how about we go out to really get a hot meal before we go take the boys to bed. And that's what we did. We found a restaurant locally here in Jacksonville. We waited like any other family, 30 to 40 minutes. And when we finally sat down, Liam, who was three now, was one at the time, he was like crying and screaming. And if you're a parent, that's one of three indicators. They had, they're tired, they're hungry, or have a wet diaper. And that night, Liam checked all the boxes uh, so yeah none of them are very fun options ne- that's for never sure never fun um, I, <laughs> Isaiah, I pointed at Isaiah who I called my diaper assistant and we went to the restroom and when we went to this restroom it was no changing table and at this moment I didn't have some kind of epiphany or no kind of vision it was like alright no changing table we've been in a situation before let me get my perfect man squat uh, put Liam over my lap and begin to change him and that's what I did um, Isaiah had his new cell phone he took a picture of me changing um, Liam without me knowing about 30 minutes later, he showed me the picture, and I was like, okay, what's so cute about it? I mean, I'm changing your brother, who cares? Um, it wasn't until about two weeks later where Isaiah texted me the picture, and I was like, you know what, let me just post this picture on my Instagram and get some a few reactions from family and friends. And that's what I got that night. I got two comments, maybe six likes. It was nothing. It was minuscule. It wasn't until the next morning where my wife woke me up and said, check your phone. And when I picked my phone up, I was like, what the heck is going on? I mean, Washington Post, CNN, Fox, um, Irish Post, Washington Post, New York Times, just call up my phone. And it's funny because I tell this joke every time. And to this day, I never found out how these outlets found my phone number. They're just calling and leaving voice messages. Washington Post even called my mom in Philadelphia and said, we need to speak to your son now. And in this moment, I didn't know if I was changing my son's diaper wrong. Did I offend anybody? I didn't know if it was a positive or negative thing they were wanting to talk to me about. So for about two hours, I did not answer any outlets because I was I was confused about what the story was about until I got on the phone finally with Washington Post and they were like, no, this is a great movement. You're fighting for equality for dads and you were the dad for this movement. I was like, wow, okay. So Washington Post actually gave you my story and my niche because <laughs> I didn't know what I was fighting mm-hmm. for. And then um, my wife and I sat down and we were like, okay, we really struck a nerve. And that's when we've seen fathers from across the world reaching out. And it's just been growing for the last two years. That's incredible. I also would have not answered the phone because I assume I'm always in trouble. Always. And always. Like, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> what does it feel like to go viral? Uh, I mean, it's something Carrie and I try and do intentionally all the time because we need more <laughs> listeners but what does it feel like although going to, viral now in the time of coronavirus does not seem like a word you want to use but you know what we mean <laughs> yeah yeah you got it absolutely well in the beginning it was believe it or not it was overwhelming especially because my wife you know she's an educator she works to teach for America well at this time I was a teacher as well we were in our bubble we're just about family working back home so when you have like local reporters outside your garage waiting for you to come out to go to work it's kind of like 
kind of creepy. So initially, <laughs> for the first two or three weeks, we were like, do we really want to hop on and continue the story or let it die away? And then a month later, we noticed that the story kept growing and building. And I was like, you know what? Let me just kind of step into it, kind of own a story and make it work for our family. I think my boys were kind of excited more than I was. Like they they kind of channeled their inner celebrities. So from day one, they're like, dad, we're famous and we're ready to go take over the world. I'm like, I don't think we want to be celebrities right now. But in the beginning, it was overwhelming. But I think we kind of learned how to accept it, embrace it, and just make it um, work for our family, but plus for many families across the country and across the world. That's amazing. So what does Squat for Change aim to do? So Squat for Change, our mission is to really advocate and to fight for changing tables in um, all public restrooms in the world. I have to say this, in the beginning, we were just fighting for father restrooms. So when I said, I'm fighting for father restrooms, I mean a whole world of moms came out of nowhere and were attacking. This is a sexist movement. You know, moms go through this as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to offend anybody. So I had to sit back and then reassess the whole mission again. So now we're fighting for all public restrooms to have changing tables accessible for parents. So that's what we fight for. We advocate every day that we walk into a restaurant and they don't have that changing table. We just simply ask them, hey, you know, what is the lack and why don't you have this resource? We try to give them options to get that changing table for parents um, that need that resource to change their baby. I can't imagine people being like, oh, this isn't fair to mothers. If anything, I would feel like <laughs> this is makes it even more equal right. for all of us right. because the father could take on this responsibility in public and mommy can sit and have herself a drink. <laughs> I'm all for it, personally. Thank you. So what have you guys achieved so far? I mean, I feel like that's a very obvious question, but what are some of the things that have come into effect because of Squat for Change? Oh, absolutely. So Squat for Change, we have a ton of accolades. We landed a partnership with Pampers, and Pampers agreed to install 5,000 changing tables over the next two years in Canada and America. Also, we landed a TED Talk to give us another platform to speak about who I am, first of all, as a father and a husband, but who I am as an advocate for squat for change. Um, but just around the world, I mean, you know, we have Pampers here, you know, putting change tables in Canada and America, but then you have, you know, advocates in Russia who have placed um, changing tables in their, one of their biggest museums. We had, you know, advocates in Africa place um, changing tables in their restaurants in Mexico. I mean, we have advocates in Taiwan and Vietnam yesterday came out to say they placed the changing table in Vietnam. So I'm like, this is really still growing and making an impact across the world. So just seeing dads and moms across the world stand up and be, quote unquote, we call them squatters, to be squatters for squat for change. Mm-hmm to advocate for you know, their lack of their resource in their own communities. And that's what we've been doing. I mean, honestly, it's so long overdue that fathers are treated as true equals. They're acknowledged just as much as moms in all aspects of parenting. You have done so much, as you just said, with so many great brand partners. I mean, what is it like working with companies that for so long, like historically, have mostly been marketed towards women and that you are part of helping shift that perspective? Um, Ashley and I did some work for Huggies and, you know, they put a dad on the box and that was like really amazing. So what what is it like working with these companies and helping shift that perspective? That's awesome. It's funny you said that because when Huggies came out with that, um, the box of the father on it, I mean, I got tagged around that time, maybe a 2,000 times. People thinking it was me. I'm like, that's not me. You know what I mean? I wish mm-hmm. it was, right? But it's not me and my child. <laughs> um, it was just I like, wish I had that Huggies <laughs> money. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, <it's, laughs> but I just think that, you know, brands are usually geared towards moms. 
first of all, I want to say moms are the staple. Like if it wasn't for my wife and the mother she is, I won't be where I am. So moms are important. But when we start um, acknowledging and showing fathers, I think that's what makes family complete. You know what I mean? You show them both mom and dad. So to be working with brands that actually are starting to show fathers and, uh, you know, Pampers gave me that platform to make me be like one of the faces of this or the catalyst of Squat for Change that we're doing this together. I feel so honored and so grateful to be a father, especially from the environment I've come from. It's really rough and the damaging narratives about that. And to step out of that box and to be in, you know, a different light and to be pushing with a major brand like Pampers and to have a, you know, a face of like, you know what, fatherhood is what we make it. And fatherhood to me is raising three sons and, you know, teaching them and supporting them and being in mentors. And I'm just so happy to be in position to be a faithful, to change the narrative of what it means to be a dad around the world. So what can all parents do to help the cause on a local level? Like what can Ashley and I do to help this cause? Well, let's take a step back. So I'll put the ball in establishment owners' hands. You know what I mean? Like, if I go into a restaurant and there are 50 tables set up or like 50 chairs set up, you have enough room to make your bathroom that much bigger. So put the money in, you know, with the infrastructure, make your bathroom just, you know, five feet bigger so we can put a changing table in that the area. So I really put the ball in owner's hands because you have the money, you have the resources. And you want me to come to your restaurant and pay for your product for me and my family? Just give us what we're asking for. And it's a simple changing table. But Very good you point. have the resources, you have the space, make it wide. You know what I mean? Um, and I mean, you have a full kitchen. Why can't we break into some of that kitchen and, and make your bathrooms bigger? So they have the space. So when someone says we don't have space, that to me is kind of an excuse. You have the space to build out a little bit more for your, your your family with children. I said, we just have to continue talking and advocating. If you go somewhere and there's no changing table, you are, if you have your children, if you don't have your children, right now in this present time, I walk out and say, you know what? You don't support family. So let me walk out. So these are the things where we say, you know what? We have to start um, spending our money there until they recognize us as parents. I mean, I don't know their demographic, but you have, even if your demographic is college students, let's say that. I know college students with children, so you're still missing a mark. So we have to stop patronizing at these places and opening our mouths and speaking to these owners and managers saying, hey, you know, you're losing customers because you don't have resources for our children. How do you feel as a modern father yourself? How do you feel that this has changed fatherhood overall for our generation of parents? You know, the parents that are parenting currently like us. Modern fatherhood is, is, has definitely changed. And I think being a part of that um, lifestyle and I have built a, a huge group of fathers around the world. Thinking about fatherhood, I think it's my father and my grandfather, they weren't as, I guess, sensitive or in tune with us. But I think we are a different brand of fathers. Like we want to be involved. We want to go to the ballet, you know, recitals and take our boys and get their haircuts. We want to be present. So I think modern fatherhood is just, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here and I'm, I feel like I'm about to cry now because my sons are my everything. Growing up and going through a lot of different issues with my mental health, um, you know, having, it may take a turn in this conversation, I'm sorry. And, no, know, that's okay. To, coming to a, a position in my life at the age of 21 when I had my first son, he was six months and I wanted to commit suicide for two weeks on suicide watch. And when I when I got out of that position, I was still I still wasn't the greatest father until I met my wife. And that's why I, I owe a lot to my wife as a wife and a mom, because she said, listen, you have to 
go find help. Go seek help. Go seek a therapist. And when I sat down, it was one of the greatest decisions of my life to sit down with a counselor and talk. And that's when I became the father I am today. And this is only just two and a half years ago. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be and I want to step up to what modern fatherhood looks like. And that's being active, being involved. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of my kids' lives and not, you know, falling short and taking my own life because of my own issues and my own demons. But um, I'm just, again, honored to be a face of Swapper Change, giving me a platform. Now I can tell other fathers about my story so we all can grow and build together. You know, congratulations to you. I mean this wholeheartedly for being so open with that discussion. Almost definitely. I feel like, you know, as as weird as it is to be in 2020 and... Oh, yeah. 2020 is real weird. Well, yeah. This is like a weird-ass year to begin with. But it's crazy to me that we live in this year and all of us live in pretty modern, liberal cities. And you still right. encounter so many people who are uncomfortable with therapy. Oh, my God. Um, Carrie and I are not. We talk about it all the time. Carrie's all the time. therapist is... We name her by name on our show. So right. it's... <laughs> But it's just crazy to me that that's so hard for people to accept or acknowledge. So to be um, such a face for dadvocates, yes. I love that term. I'm going to use you. it forever now. <laughs> and, you know, talk about mental health. I think that's incredible. I, I hope there's a way you can incorporate that into Squat for Change a little bit more. Maybe if it grows beyond just changing tables and grows into just advocating for equal dad rights or something. It's well, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we have to start really realizing how we program our kids when they come out the womb. You know, we say, you know, if I have a son, he automatically plays basketball or football. And I think we start programming them to be so tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I was raised. I was so tough and hard. So when I met my wife, she was like, you have to learn how to relax and show your emotions. And I didn't know that. But so now when I have a father of my boys and my son comes to me and he, wants to, he looks like he's about to cry, I'm like, son, cry. What is wrong? Just let it out. Talk to me. I'll cry. If you want me to cry with you, I'll cry with you. Let's talk. Because I want my boys to be sensitive. I want them to be in, in tune with their emotions. But of course, they can be hard and play football, basketball. But when you come and you want to talk, we have to be genuine and open and, you know, and just, you know, just have those, those true conversations. So that's why I teach my sons now. And, um, and it works for us. So I so genuinely believe that so many of the issues in the world are due to men not being able to handle their emotions. And Absolutely. I, as the mother of a, of a boy, work towards trying to solve that problem myself. So, yeah, that's great to hear. Like you guys said earlier, 2020, I don't think the word weird is even okay. I think it's strange. It's something is weird, really, weirdly wrong with this whole year. I mean, I think even, it's fucking bizarre. I'm just going to say it. Go. Like, it deserves profanity. <laughs> I didn't know if I could cuss. There's a couple of ways that I try to look to try to find like if there's going to be any positive from this. The one thing I do know for sure is a lot of my friends that would have never gone to therapy because they didn't think their problems were big enough. Now I think that the world's right. problems are big enough that at the very least, they if they felt embarrassed or anything, they can say, I'm going to therapy because I'm trying to deal with the world situation. When really... Yeah. You probably well, uh, have yeah. your own stuff and then the world situation is just bringing everything to light. So I do think more people are getting therapy. So that is a plus to this. 
Yeah. Well said. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. So is there anything else you want our audience to know? I am writing a book and we will be, I would push up the book probably towards the end of the year. I don't have an exact date, but my book is entitled Born Again and it will be um, coming out soon. So they will have to follow my Instagram page, Dante Palmer Official, to get details on when, when my book release is. And uh, I think I'm trying to push it around my TED Talk around the same time. But please stay tuned because Born Again will give you more about my mental health, marriage, you know, lying and being a, a absent father to now being a present father. It talks about everything. I'm open. I'm an open book. I'm transparent. My wife is actually kind of scared about the book release because I speak in too much detail, but it's needed for other families to heal from it. And I'm just so excited about this Born Again project so the world see who we are as a family so we all can grow from it. That's amazing. I love that. And you know, I, I firmly believe that this opportunity probably wouldn't have come to you if you hadn't already come to this awakening in yourself. You know, it's like Absolutely. Everything kind of happens when it's supposed to happen. If, if this had all happened before, yes. you might not have been able to take as much advantage of it as you are now. Absolutely. All of your social media handles, websites, all that fun stuff. Also, we can start with the website. The website is easy, squatforchange.com. Um, Simple as that. Um, Twitter is Squat for Change. And my the official Instagram page that went viral is Dante Palmer Official. Let me tell you, what a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. One more thing. I changed law in Florida and uh, Baltimore and New York, and I'm still nobody until I get 10,000 followers. So thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you, nobody. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, Dante. Thank you so much. And we will, uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you, Carrie Nash. I appreciate you guys so much. And you know what? You guys are truly, truly awesome. Thank you guys. Today's guest has more than two decades of recruitment and career coaching experience where she has helped dissatisfied professionals and recent grads land their dream job or launch their ideal startup through her business, MTV Coaching. Welcome, Michelle Percha. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everybody. Hi, Michelle. Hi. So, Michelle, what does a career coach do? A career coach guides a individual to where they want to get in their career. And surprisingly enough, when people come to me for career coaching, I wind up doing all other types of coaching because people today want to be a holistic being. They want to be happy in their life, in their career. And I help clients merge the two of those. And to go to you, do you have to be, as you can see, inquiring minds, I'm asking for my husband, does it have to be somebody with kind of like a straightforward career or can it be an artist or somebody who's more, you know, freelance oriented? Do you deal with just everybody? Everybody. So I consider myself a career progression specialist. So it doesn't matter uh, what career you're in, as long as you want to progress. A lot of the work that I do right now in the midst of this pandemic is uh, the graduating class of 2020, people who graduated college, people who graduated grad schools. And I also work with a lot of people who got immersed into working from home, but they never worked from home or people who are just sitting there and they want a career that will allow them to work from home. Hmm. So this is what I'm busy with lately. There's a lot of people who want to launch their own businesses. There are a lot of people who want to do different things, but they're afraid to leave their current jobs. Ultimately, many of my clients realize that they don't have a plan. And sitting there and kind of daydreaming about it and thinking about it, it's not going to get you anywhere. 
So that's where a career progression coach like me comes in because you come to me with a goal that you have in mind regarding your work. And then we work on that together and we get you to that goal. So it's so interesting because I, aside from this career, I'm also a yoga teacher and the same thing, like I find one that a lot of times my private clients are not just people that want to do yoga. They look to me for holistic life advice on how to make their body and their minds happier so that the rest of their life, their job and everything kind of, they can make better choices about that. So very interesting. And we know how the pandemic has changed, like where and how parents and mothers are working. And it's presented so many challenges. Ashley and I can attest to that. What's your biggest Mm -hmm. piece of advice for mothers working from home during all of this? Just be yourself. Everybody knows you're a mother. Everybody knows you have a toddler. Everybody knows that kids fall. Kids need their toy. Just stop hiding from your colleagues who, for example, may not be mothers or may not be parents or have no interest. You know, we're, we're in this situation and we have to work from home. And my biggest piece of advice to moms and and to parents is just embrace that. You know, I kind of grew up in the world of corporate America where it was embarrassing if your kid screamed in the background while you were on a conference call. Yeah. But you know what? In today's world, you'll make so many new friends because three or four young women on that call probably are in the same situation. It's just they only have a ba- uh, better babysitter. Well, what's interesting is I think that just changed, right? Like that was... A- I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it was different. Yeah. Like I feel like this evolution that we're seeing that you're talking about literally has happened within the past like three months. Is that correct? It is correct because people... Have- have no other choice. Like necessity is the mother of all invention. So when you need to get things done or you're on a conference call, you have a small child, they don't understand. You just have to own it and show up that way and say, guys, listen, I'm sorry. You know, my daughter or my son are not feeling well. You may hear them in the background. You'll get so much more respect from all your colleagues. And then people will call you after that call and say, I know how you feel. Thank you so much for saying that. I've also found the the boyfriends and the husbands don't necessarily know how to act either. (laughs) That's a separate topic. I wanted to mention that I feel like, and this is not to challenge you in any way, but while that sounds like great advice, and I really wish that was the case, we hear stories, you know, obviously this pandemic is really exposing how much the working mother is kind of challenged by it all. And we've even heard the story. I'm trying to find the the woman's name, but that um, woman who was fired for her kid being around while she was having all her Zoom meetings. Carrie, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yep, I do. Did, mm-hmm. Have you heard about that, Michelle? I have not, but I've had I've heard other things. People not being fired, but people getting spoken to, and and all that. It's awful. It's awful, but here's the situation. There are companies that will completely lose all of their talent because of this pandemic, not because the the talent is going to leave. It's because they're not providing the right culture. And Mm. then there are uh, companies that are going to soar because they're providing that culture. Listen, we didn't want to get into this pandemic. What is a mother supposed to do if, if her child runs into the room and needs something? What is she supposed to do? Do Split in half. So, you know, companies that are going to embrace their employees as a holistic being, those are the ones that are going to make it through this pandemic and all the other uh, economic downturns that we're going to have. So this is where a career coach may come in because, you know, a client may come to me and say, listen, I'm in this really 
horrible situation. And I actually have a client like that right now. She works for a big retail operation and she wants to leave. And we've been working on a plan for 12 weeks. We've been working on a plan of how she's going to get the hell out of there. That must be kind of really fascinating to do what you do and just really learn about the ins and outs of so many different people's career choices. Well, I was in executive recruiting. I had my own firm for 10 years in New York City. So I kind of know from both ends, from the employers, what they're looking for and for what people want. Yeah. So I'm kind of like your perfect matchmaker, but now I'm <laughs> sidetracked on, on what to do and how to do. So let me ask you, you know, we're, we've we've talked about how what we should be doing as mo- as working mothers now, but it seems like this is going to have long term effects on work and how we do it. So what are some steps we can start taking now to prepare for that? You know, like, for example, my husband works for a large media company and basically they they've sent out emails saying, like, it's not looking like you're going to be working in the office anytime soon, which is great. I mean, we're all for it. It really we're introverts. So we like that stuff. But what can women who aren't at a company that's like that, you know, and with schools starting up in the fall and a lot of the challenges that's going to present of kids being home? What do we do now to start preparing for this long-term lifetime change? So everything, I hate to sound like a broken record, but honestly, everything starts with a plan and sticking to it every day. So if you are a mom unhappy with how you know your organization is set up for working from home, you're uncertain, and you know that you love being with your kids and you want that capability of working from home or being able to work from home anytime that you want. You want a different culture. This is the time to start planning. And it's a multi-step process. It's individual to every one of my clients. Whether we fix your resume, we fix your cover letter, we get you out there networking, we get you out there as a subject matter expert, we get you out there to collaborate, to network. Look, moms don't have time. I understand that. But you have to set aside time, even an hour, 45 minutes. Lock yourself in the bathroom. It's like we set time aside to work out. We have to in order to stay healthy. We have to do this. We have to start putting together a plan and we have to softly start looking on where else we can go and take our skills to. I like plans. So I like that answer. And I developed a framework. It stands for P-L-A-N. That could be another session. We can talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So pandemic aside, what is your biggest piece of advice for working moms who are looking to make a big career change? I'm guessing it starts with a plan. Starts with a plan and it's actually reflecting on what you want. You can't be a superpower corporate woman out there networking 24-7, giving TED Talks, and then be there for your kids to read them the bedtime story. Got to be true to yourself and you got to find out what's right for you and what's right for your family and what's right to your life partner. Got to sit down and have a life plan first. Can't be running on your own track and then hoping that the family is going to be on board unless you guys have had made that uh, arrangement. Lee and I have had this discussion recently because when we decided we were going to have a baby, we knew that I would be having to not be out of the house working, that I would go every once in a while, but primarily be home with the baby. But I guess we both didn't realize mentally how much effort it takes to raise a child and that now we're reassessing what my career and his career need to be in order that we can be not only fully present for our careers, but fully present for our child. We just underestimated how you can't do everything. Yeah, you have to actually even have a discussion on how to pivot 
and how to make decisions like fast because a child is not asking you what point you're in your career. Let me ask you this. So for so long working in the entertainment industry, one of the things that has always stopped me is imposter syndrome. And I know that that goes beyond entertainment. I know all of us feel that in some way or another. And the thing that, you know, now as I've gotten older and I think really having my son, the thing that has stopped that from happening is this kind of do or die mentality that has happened happened since I had Sebastian, which is in my head, it sounds something like, listen, bitch, you're only getting older. Your son is going to get older. Are you going to keep dilly dallying or are you going to fight for what you really want? And that has been kind of how I've gotten over things. But what is your advice for other people who have that and maybe have had their kid and they don't have that going off or the woman who has a corporate job and really wants to leave and start, you know, a crafting business? What do you say to them? Stop having that dialogue in your head. That dialogue in your head is never your best friend. It's always negative. Yeah. Start looking at your situation from a different perspective, from a neutral perspective. What you just mentioned to me, I went through that back in 2008, 2009, when my son was a toddler. I had my son in 2005. And I was at the height of my career in the executive search. And I needed to tell that internal dialogue, which most of the time is your ego talking and your ego is not your best friend. It only makes you feel great when you're on top of the world. This is what I always say. Your ego is not your amigo. (laughs) Feel free to steal that. (laughs) Very easy to conquer uh, a competitor. It's almost impossible to conquer your own ego. And until you do, you're going to be an imposter. You're going to dilly-dally. You got to tell your ego to shut up forever. Plus, it's so tired. Like, I'm so tired of her. Me too. So t- <laughs> tell me about it. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, get a grip. I'm you like, know? shut up. No one cares. Yeah. Stop. Yes. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You know, my ego is not a good person. Or any of ours, really, you know? And I'm such a giver by nature. It's horrible. Like, every time I give, the ego tells me, what the hell are you giving for? You're not going to get anything in return. And I'm like, who yeah. asked you? And then it's going back yeah. and forth, back and forth. How about mom? that, I mean, you sort of answered this, so this might be redundant, but how about moms that want to work part-time from home? Like, what ideas do you have for trying to have women empower themselves to make money while they're raising children? Sit down with your spouse or your partner, figure out what you guys need on a yearly basis or every six months, and then back into the number of hours that you could give. Filter in the babysitter, filter in the daycare, depending on the age of the child. And really sit down and and, and work backwards. It's almost mathematical. I do that sometimes with my clients too. Because, you know, if a woman made, let's say, 120000 and now she's sitting at home and, and, you know, she's not having the expenses that she used to for commuting and dry cleaning and all of that, and maybe they just need to net 40k from what she brings in you could do that as a freelancer you could do that by doing you know a project two-week project three-week project it all starts with a plan gotta sit down either by yourself or with a partner or with your family whatever it takes and figure out and then back into it okay michelle so is there anything else you want to leave us or our listeners with i'd love to leave something for your listeners so i developed a guide for uh, gaining career clarity it's available on my website uh, www.mtvcoaching.com but that's a pretty lengthy document and that's going to take some time to fill out but 
just ask yourself a simple question. Do I have a plan? Like, where am I going to be in 12 months from now? Am I even thinking along those lines? What do I have in place? What are some of the thresholds that I want to uh, cross? I think every working mom or non-working mom should really be asking herself that because kids grow up. Ashley reminds me that all the time because I forget that my kid is going to grow up and she's always like, you got to take care of you because eventually your kid's going to grow up and you can't be left as a shell of a person. Let's try that on you. Let's try it on you. What's your plan? Let me coach you a little bit here. All right. All right. I love that. We would love to be coached by you. Let's do it. Will you come back and we talk about the results and, and what it was like and everything on another episode? Absolutely. All right. So there you Help guys me, got I'm it. poor. Yeah. <laughs> you know that quote from Bridesmaids? <laughs> there you guys have it. So Michelle's going to be back on the show. She is going to coach Carrie and I. We're going to tell her our goals. And when she comes back, we'll let you know how it went. I'm so excited. Thanks so much, yeah. Michelle, for that offer. I can't wait. Excited for you. Michelle, can you plug yourself? Tell our listeners anywhere, anything else they need to know, where they can find you, your social media, your website, all that fun stuff. Sure. So my website is MTV, mtvcoaching.com. My social media Instagram is Michelle underscore the underscore visionary. That's how I came up with MTV coaching. Oh, I love was wondering. That. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You guys are going to hear from Michelle again. Thank you for having me. And you guys better watch out because we're going to be so famous. We will not have any time to record podcasts anymore. Just kidding. Oh, my God. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you. Hashtag swag bag. Now is one of our favorite segments, which is hashtag swag bag. I'll go first. Get your kid a harmonica. (laughs) harmonicas. Let me just tell you, for multiple reasons. My kid was gifted a harmonica by Valerie's husband, Dimitri, just like they had when they gave it to her. (laughs) And first of all, my kid is really good at harmonica. That should have been my tits, but... She actually is. She knows how to blow in and out at the same time, like inward singing. Remember Jack Black's, I am singing, I am singing, I am singing. She like inward sings. It relaxes her because she takes these deep breaths. It's basically yoga, pranayama, or meditation breathing. It causes her to take these big inhales and exhales. And by the time she is done, she's like done super big meditative breathing. It chills her out. It's amazing. So Hmm. get your kid a harmonica. It's really good for their breathing. It's like only medium annoying. Like all the other musical toys she has are way more annoying than the harmonica. I never thought I'd be saying that. We should promote all toys with like an annoying scale. All right, this is like a, a one. I like medium annoying. I think that's okay, very like good. Like from one to ten, it's like a five. It's like a five. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Like her Elmo toy that's that we got from you is like maybe an eight. It Oh, the Tickle Me Elmo? No, the Elmo that like does the dance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Move that's like an one. animal. Like yeah. an animal. That's like. I forget who gave that to Sebastian, but I was very happy to give it to you. That's like a seven or eight. Maybe. Yeah. This is like a, a five. It's a five. And I think it might go down as her skill level goes up, but it's a five. And the side effect is that it chills her out. And it makes sense because in yoga, the deeper the breaths, the inhales and the exhales, it chills you out. So, well, and sometimes you feel a little high after like a yeah. bunch of like real deep breaths. Yeah. That's a good feeling. And she never plays it for like too, too long. And it's super easy. I just put it in my pocket and I'm like, oh, you're having a fit? Here, just play this harmonica. And let me tell you, we took it to an outdoor restaurant today and everyone would rather hear harmonica than your kid fucking screaming. So my pick this week is the monthly goddess box from Zen and Bougie, which is a plant-based luxury wellness brand. So it's owned by a woman of color. Her name is Shia Joyner. She is a medical esthetician, a Reiki healer, a registered yoga teacher, 
teacher and she's a domestic violence awareness advocate and survivor. You know, we know that the COVID-19 outbreak is really hitting everybody, but there's an element that a lot of people may not be aware of, and that's that domestic violence is really increased in all of this. It's been on the rise and it's not really showing signs of slowing down. So she has created this box. She advocates for the cause and she pledges to help 300 women leave unhealthy situations behind by taking a portion of the sales from this box and donating it. It's the hashtag pledge by one gift one campaign. They're going to donate 10% from each $75 self-love goddess box to a domestic violence organization. And this month's goddess box theme is self-love from the picture it looked like there was one of those little you know the little vibrator yes i do yes that thing definitely check them out it's zenandbougie.com you'll see at the top is the monthly goddess box and uh yeah 10 percent goes to a domestic violence organization so support them zen and bougie b-o-u-j-e-e.com as always we will have it linked in our show notes good to know i've always wanted to know how to spell bougie i thought it was b-u-o-u-g-i-e i think it's b-o-u-j-i-e and maybe this is i don't i couldn't tell you but Anyway. That's how she's spelling it. Well, I, I didn't really know how to spell it, so. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com.